Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater-centric podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, the CMS Rumble page, and CMS TV. We are live at those locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are watching on YouTube, please don't forget to click that like button, click that subscribe button, and smash that notification bell so that you are notified every time we go live. If you are looking for video replays of the show, we have every single episode we have ever done on our YouTube page. And if you're looking for audio replays of the show, just Google Talking Into Infinity Podcast, and we are on pretty much any podcast platform that you can possibly think of. Without further ado, let me bring on my good friend and co-host, Brian Hendrickson. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Yeah, man. Uh, full disclosure, I don't know that I'm prepared. I, I got <laughs> messed up on the assignment. I thought we were reviewing 1978 Ron Jeremy's masterpiece, Scenes from a Mammary. So that's oh, actually boy. what I watched over and over. I have plenty of notes on that. <laughs> do, you, do you have a, do, do. Like a <laughs> strained forearm from that or anything? I, I, I do. <laughs> uh, no, that was a really dumb joke, but I, was, I had that... <laughs> I had that saddled for like five hours, sitting here ready to fire off. No, I'm doing pretty good, man. We're uh, we're into October already. Where the hell did 2023 go, man? Man, I I don't know. I was I was uh, rewatching the episode last year where we did a well well I did a deep dive into scenes from a memory with uh, our good friend Adam Rishog. And in the video, I mentioned like, oh, if I look all beat red, it's because it's hotter than hell up here. And uh, I made mention of the fact that, yeah, I can't wait till I buy a house next year so that I have central air. And at the time I said it, I was like, I'm not getting a house next year. I am so far away from having a house. And when I heard that yesterday, I was like, hmm, wow. All right. The, 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 hmm, that's a lot of change in, in one year. <laughs> so I was wondering when we did that. So it was summer of 22. We did the deep dive yeah, with that. Yeah. I, th I think it was August, I want to say. Okay. Um, and if you guys, for any of you guys listening or watching that haven't seen that, go check that out because he, he does a phenomenal breakdown of the story of this record, and it's just fascinating, all the detail he goes into. And there's so much stuff that I didn't know. And, um, man, I, I was listening back to it last night going, damn, I forgot how informative this was. <laughs> so uh, kind of helpful for tonight's episode, actually. So, yeah, it's nice know. having someone on the show that knows something, since neither of us really do. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so quick show note here: we obviously, uh, you know, 
tonight we are going to be ranking the songs on 1999's fantastic concept record, uh, Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory. So we're doing that tonight. Uh, in two weeks, we are doing our Octavarium in the Octagon episode. We're going to have Sean Faust and Chastity Crawley and Kale McLeish on to uh, debate that one. Um, if I'm forgetting somebody, just let me know because I keep forgetting the, the list because I know that people are just itching to go to battle on that one. Um, but... There may be something at the beginning of that show that we may be doing. Uh, I have to get confirmation of it, um, so I don't really want to say anything, you know, concrete. But we'll just, you know, a few hints like, you know, this person plays drums um, for a certain band we like to talk about. Um, you know, he did, you know, just one of those things. But uh, he may or may not have a solo single coming out tomorrow on October sixth. So, okay, I can't hold back. It's Ricky Rocket. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I i swore i wasn't gonna say anything but it's it's the guy from violent femmes yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoever, oh whoever that is that is amazing yeah so so yeah we're um we're trying to lock down an interview with mike mangini and it may be on october 19th so we will we will do the Octavarium in the Octagon, but we're going to have an interview with Mangini potentially before that. So we got to get confirmation. So that we're doing that. And uh, I also got confirmation on November 2nd, we are going to be doing an interview with uh, legendary rock guitar author Steve Rosen. Uh, he's interviewed everybody from Jeff Beck to Jimmy Page to Ted Nugent, all these different guys. Um, and uh, he's been writing since, God, the late 60s or something, I want to say. Um, but he's got an awesome new book out about Ed, Eddie Van Halen called Tone Chaser. And it is, and I'm not just saying this because the guy's coming on the show. It's the best Van Halen book that I've ever read. It's a very unique perspective. He actually was friends with Eddie for 26 years. And it's full transcriptions of all of his interviews with him, um, stories about his experiences hanging out with him and going over to his house and stuff like that. And uh, Steve Rosen is coming on with us on November 2nd. So we're going to have him on. Uh, obviously, we've got the big... Um, the uh, fan hangout is coming up here pretty soon. I want to say the date on that is December 22nd, whatever that Friday is. So we're doing that. So if you guys would like to jump in and co-host the show for a bit with us, just shoot us an email at talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com, and you guys are more than welcome to jump on camera and do some hosting with us. We talk about anything that night. It's just a musical free-for-all, uh, complete with gorilla farts. So, um, you know... Uh, Robert Husted, always good to see you, man. Um, to answer your earlier question, yes, I do have a new Facebook account. Uh, he says, Ted Nugent for the win. <laughs> no, I, I fucking hate Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent for the loss. I, I, don't, I, I really don't like Ted Nugent at all. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we got some really cool stuff coming up, man. But uh, so why don't we get into tonight's topic here, which um, is a bitch. <laughs> I'm really glad we're getting this one out of the way um, because this turned out to be a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. It's, um, I realized yet again that I listen to this record as one solid piece of music and I don't know where one song ends and the other one kicks in. I'm bad with that. So it made ranking the songs a real pisser for me <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, where which one is this wait i thought that was that song ah damn it like so i'm damn near sick of listening to this album after having like poured over it for the last week solid just trying to re-rank everything so 
<laughs> it is weird doing it with the concept album, that's for sure. All right, so real quick, Robert Houston, John doesn't have cat scratch fever. No, I don't. Johan Alexanderson, great to see you, man. Thanks for tuning in. He said, why would somebody not like Ted Nugent? Well, I will tell you why. Um, he's a fucking loud mouth. I hate when people just mouth off. It's You've got this public forum. like Use it responsibly. Be cool. And he's just a loud mouth dick. And um, I don't like people like that, but one of the main reasons is he really disrespected Dimebag uh, in, immediately after he got murdered. And I have never... I thought that was so unbelievably tasteless that, you know, the, the guy's just a loudmouth jerk is what it is. He's he's just a goddamn jerk, and I can't stand him. So um, I just hate people with that personality. Like, what he believes is right, What you know, anybody else that doesn't agree with him is wrong, and he makes up all these huge words to try and sound all intelligent to make fun of him, so fuck that guy. Whatever. So there you go. There's my little rant on uh, Ted Nugent. So. John, you do not have a stranglehold on hating Ted Nugent. I'll just tell you I, that. I, I, I do not. I don't know how that guy ever got any wang dang sweet poontang. <laughs> so, um, we've now reached the limit of the number of Ted Nugent songs I know the title of. So, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, back to your point. Yeah, ranking the songs on a concept album is not easy. Not easy. Or ranking how? them on a Dream Theater album in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At, le at least with, like, you know... Like a standard record, you could say, okay, well, you know, like I say, it's not one giant piece of music. It's not meant to be listened to in kind of a different fashion. So the songs are written as little independent pieces where I feel like this one was kind of like, you know, they basically had, you know, that huge 26-minute demo that they had done previously. And they basically took motifs out of it and made individual, you know, songs and segments out of that. And it's just... You know, like I say, it flows together and it's got all these ups and downs, but man, it is, it's hard to do. So how many times did you have to re-rank your list? I only changed a couple towards the front. So the top ones, I flipped those around like twice. Okay. I thought the back, the my last three I thought was kind of obvious, but yeah, for various reasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's there's a couple obvious ones. I think this one was really difficult for me because there's a good, man, like four songs that I could have I could have really put just about anywhere. And so I went I waffled on that a ton. So that was really difficult for me. But um, I think the hardest thing on all these, like we said before, is like sort of like what goes in the middle, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, dude, like, it's always the middle. Yeah. Yeah, because you're going to have your, most of us will probably, it would be difficult to say, okay, the top four songs, anybody who listens to our podcast, I would assume two of those are going to be in there no matter what. You know what I mean? At least 50%, right? Yeah. Are going to get the same two. But when it comes to the middle and then going, okay, five to nine or whatever, like, I, I don't know, you know, <laughs> how you do those. Yeah, yeah it's. Every time I've done a ranking, either with this or, you know, on my nerd show, like, oh, man, it's th th that middle part just sucks. And th the hardest one was when we had to rank the Marvel movies in the Infinity Saga because you're talking about like 23, 24 movies. <laughs> it really like the middle of that. You're just like, oh, God, like, how do you do that? You're talking about trying to rank like 18, 19 movies that you enjoy all of them. So, um, you know. 
So Alex Neal, good to see you, man. He says, a song like Beyond This Life is an essential part of the album because it provides a lot of story exposition. And I, I, I bring this up because that's the other part of this that was difficult for me, Brian. It's like, well, some of these things are more are here more for story than for music, I think, at times. So it was really weird, like, how to judge it that way. So I, I went with a very visceral reaction is basically how I did it. So... I guess we will uh we'll see where we land. So um why don't you start things off? What do you have in last place out of the twelve songs on Scenes from a Memory? I was gonna ask if we had twelve. <clears throat> so I thought the obvious one was Overture nineteen twenty eight. Just because really there's no, you know vocals or anything in that. So <laughs> you do you do know there's twelve tracks on this record, right? Yeah. You didn't write this down properly. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. I have twelve. I got twelve right here on my list, seriously. Oh, oh my lord. Why? You, you you really put Overture nineteen twenty eight in last place? Yeah. Why? Where would you put it? Oh well, you'll find out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, I, all right I, something has to be last. Yeah, the da- the dance of eternity is what I have. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So you're the one that's wrong then. All right, I was wondering. No, I mean, I mean, dance of eternity. How the hell could you have dance of eternity last? It's like their best freaking instrumental. There. Good lord. There. I just wanted you to be as pissed as I am. I don't have that last. <laughs> I have regression last. The opening track. It's just like a spoken word thing. No, and but a little there's, acoustic- a, there's a little there's a little, little bit of singing in there. So I I, I put it. I well, I won't say where I put it. You would rather listen to Regression than Overture nineteen twenty eight. But there, there is a little bit of vocals in there, so that's in, why. In a vacuum, you <laughs> if you have to pick one Dream Theater song to listen to, you're you and it has to be one that's of those two. That's not the exercise, Spaz. It's yes, it now. is. No, it's not. That's exactly the exercise. No. Look at this. Kale McLeish, both of these are L takes. I hope you're talking about my joke about Dance of Eternity, Kale, because if you're thinking that regression, like some spoken word intro, shouldn't be like, if there, <laughs> the other songs like are below that, like, I, ugh, God bless. <laughs> Kale, okay, this episode is canceled. <laughs> hey, who knows what an L even is in the Austrian alphabet, so that, that could be like a W <laughs> you, for, for American There, there he goes again. Oh my God! All right, so all right, so you have Overture 1928. I have Regression. Okay, um, I thought that would be obvious. If you know, it's an intro. It's a spoken word thing mostly, um, and it's not very long. Okay, all right. Well, what do you have at number eleven then? Let me guess. Home. <laughs> <laughs> no, the spirit carries on. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have Regression spoken word intro. That's not. That's not even a thing. What? Regression? You can't just make up tracks. Regression has the vocal in it. You can't just pick the spoken word intro. Well, I put it down as that, Spaz. Okay. Good lord, this is you already hard threw to me follow. for a loop. I'm like, <laughs> I'm all discombobulated now. No, there's there's vocals at the end of regression. I don't know. I just. Okay, I thought you were splitting out just the spoken word part. I was like, that's no, 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 no. Okay. I mean, if 
this is probably the only thing you're going to ding me on is switching those two. I, I don't know. I just I like the fact that we do get some vocal melody in the okay. actual intro, and we didn't in, in Overture, and something has to be last, so those two have to be at the end, I think, but I don't know what the hell you have at 11. So, Man, I, I'm, I am really surprised that you had Overture 1928 as least favorite. Wow. And, and speaking of unpopular opinions, good Lord, Chastity. I think she I think I think she's just trying to promo. She's doing like a wrestling promo trying to be like the bad guy to 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 get more viewers and listeners for Octavarium in the Octagon. She says, "And my unpopular opinion is that my least favorite is Home." Wow. That's I'm gonna, crazy. I'm, I'm going to get annihilated when we get to 9. I already know that. <laughs> He's giving it away. Man, Chastity, that is crazy. Yeah, I got to go with Robert Houston. He says, "How is Home your least favorite?" Um, for me, number 11 is through my words. I mean, it's like a minute long. It's a minute and two seconds. Are you serious? No, it's a minute and two <laughs> seconds long. Actually, it's a 61 seconds. I timed it, and I looked at the track listing. I looked at the track listing, and it said a minute and two. Look, it, it's it, it's a tiny little thing. There are others. The, the, everything else is longer than it. There's more meat on the bone with everything else. You're really going to question me on, man, oh, man, this episode is really <laughs> flying off the rails real fast. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing we did this. Okay. All right. Interesting. So you so you have, through my words, I don't even want to. <laughs> this is crazy. This is already crazy. All right. Well, where are we at? Number 10? We are at, we, yes, we are at number 10. All right. Number 10, I have a song called Through My Words. It's only 61 seconds. 62. Okay. Robert Hustad confirmed. No, you know us. what, man? I. I can't. I had to put it there because it's one of the most beautiful melodies they've ever had in any song. I know it's sixty-one seconds, or sixty-one and a half, or sixty-two, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's why I put it there. Okay, interesting. Ahead yeah, I, of uh, those other two. I mean, when I started doing mine, I knew that regression and through my words would be at the bottom. Just you know, if if for no other reason than strictly due to the length of the songs. Because there's, you know, there's there's other parts in other songs that are just longer and more drawn out and more more well developed, obviously. Um, so that's why I did my numbers uh, twelve and eleven. So now we're getting into stuff that's actually song length. Uh, my number ten is finally free. So I've got the closing track. Um, Interesting. See, now I'll preface all of this by saying, you know, I, I, I used in the show description for, for our ranking of When Dream and Day Unite saying Dream Theater is like pizza even when it's bad, it's good, you know, which means it's never bad. And this record is a perfect example of that because the songs are all really good. It's just which one is better than really good, you know, and, and you kind of go from there. It's such top tier stuff. Um, Finally Free is awesome. There's some great melodies and stuff. They go back to, you know, some motifs they hit earlier in the record. Um, you know, I, I, I like the lyrics of it a lot. Uh, that I'm not usually a lyric guy. And I, I, I really enjoy it. But because a lot of it is just kind of like holding out that... Like, it's, you know, it's kind of like just... It's obviously like a closing thing for them to kind of wave to the crowd as they're holding notes out and stuff like that. So... Um, and 
I always wonder what the hell kind of flooring does that guy have? Does Nicholas have? Because when he's like walking across the floor to get a drink, it's like crunch. Like, do you have gravel in your living room? <laughs> it's like so. Um, yeah. So I've got finally free at number ten. Kale Kale says one last time. It's very much a transition. Uh, transition, excuse me, between two of the biggest songs here. The chorus is beautiful. Finally free does it really well, but I don't really find this to be a coherent song. Robert Husted has Fatal Tragedy in his slot at number 10. Maybe I've heard it too much. Still a good song. Man, all right. Okay. Johan Alexanderson does say that Finally Free is one of their best melodies ever, though. Um, yeah. Hard to argue all that. Um, all right, so what do you have at number 9? Here's where I probably get annihilated. I have Beyond This Life. Huh. Okay, that's definitely lower than I would have thought. So I never thought I would say this about any Dream Theater song, but I've always felt like, to use Lars Ulrich word, the riff is kind of stock. Now, that being said, where the song okay. ends up, we go on this 11-minute and 22-second journey, or maybe it's 11.23. I've been wrong for here. <laughs> Nice. But I I don't know. There's something about that riff. It, it rears its ugly head a few times. It's, it's always kind of bugged me. Um, but I do like the way the verse builds off the melodic theme. Um, and, you know, there's that cool trippy middle part with the broken clean guitar parts and the flanger on James' voice. And, you know, and yeah. I love that the killer, all that we learned this time. You know, I love that little part, that really cool vocal thing. And I love the ending solo, you know, starts it. I have on here my notes like 140-ish. You know, you get those stock, uh, not to use the word stock again, but those those Petrucci, those thematic phrases where he's playing way, way up on the guitar. You know, the super melodic things, but they're on the highest part of the guitar neck, those those ringing singular kind of note phrase things, yep. which is really cool. But I don't know. I just something about that opening riff always is just like, man, this dream theater came up with this like i could like come up with this in like 15 seconds like <laughs> i don't know and, it, and, it, and it's kind of always stuck in my craw but i do like the way they build off of it but whenever that that riff is just played with the huge power chords or something about it it's always just bugged me a little bit okay i i can see that I, I i definitely have songs like that where it's like i enjoy it but something about it just rubs me the wrong way um I, I could totally see where you're coming from with that, so I, I can't really argue for it. That That's a song that was difficult for me to rank. I had a real hard time with that, um, so I can't really fault you. I, I don't have it that low, but I cannot fault you for putting it there because it is... There's a, there's a lot of... like the, the longer songs on here, you know, you can really go back and forth on them if you'd like to. Um so that's I, I can't really fault you like there, man. that would be the one song if they're they're playing just to say a, a standard set of just pulling stuff from all albums and like if this is the one they pulled from this album because they probably want something longer right i would be i think i'd be pretty annoyed <laughs> to say that it wouldn't right. quite be up there in ministry of lost souls annoyed but it would be it would be a second wow okay well that that is that's pretty extreme i wouldn't expect that i would think anything from this record would go over pretty well um, so yeah, I, I, I would like it. I know I would dig it, but, uh, Kale at number nine says that he has through her eyes. It pains me to do so, but this ballad with a drum machine is probably the last salad with the steak 
that is scenes from a memory. It's the best part of that salad, but it just lacks that punch. Um, well, we are going to have to ban Caleb from the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I yeah, I, I don't know, Kale. I I really like through her eyes. So I, I don't know if I can I don't know I don't know if I can get on board with that. I mean I understand if you don't like the, the drum machine part thing, that that sounding thing, but um I, I have that a little higher than you do. I will say I will say that. So uh my number nine, I have one last time. So I really love the chorus on this one. It's it's a big sing along type of a thing. Um Again, this the middle of this just started getting really difficult for me to rank. I think that this one is as low as it is simply because there's not as much here as there is with the ones that I have ranked ahead of it. Uh, and it is, you know, you know, Kale mentioned it. You know, it's kind of like a transition song. It's kind of like gluing two bigger things together. So I think for that reason, that's why I had it as far down as I do. It's a little, well, a little like, you know, it's 33. It's about 33% of the song that, uh, the, the, the song length that finally free is. So duh, but you know, it's much more concise than finally free. So that's why I put it ahead of it. Like it's, it's, it's more to the point. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I have one last time at my number nine, so, so far I've got regression from bottom to top. I've got regression through my words, finally free, and one last time. So what do you have at number eight? Uh, number eight, I do have Dance of Eternity. What? You had it that low? <clears throat> yeah. I, I love the insane musicality on this, the all the time changes, um, you know, wow. the, the super cool old time 1920s bar room piano thing that goes on there you know the solo always love that thing um wow you know there's a thing too that i kind of didn't notice before he sort of channels a little bit of the images and words which all these songs you know obviously harken back to metropolis but he, he kind of channels his a little bit of his kevin moore with that the first moke solo he does in there you know which makes sense because you know it starts out with Metropolis playing backwards, fading in and out, you know, the intro of the song and everything. And uh, I don't know, man. It's Obviously, I couldn't put it up towards the, the front, but I, I I thought it sat pretty well right here, kind of pretty close to the middle. Interesting. I, I thought you would have had that higher because I know you're a fan of this one. I, well, I'm kind of surprised I, I, by that. I, I will say, and not to give away points later, but but <laughs> – I don't know if, especially verse-wise, I don't know that their melodies were ever, I don't know if the word clean is what I'm looking for, but just catchy, clean, just sold perfectly the way James sings them. I don't know, man. There's something about all the melodies and all the verses in here, so I can't, like... I can't push those aside for the... You know what I mean? Like, those have to be up, up towards the front. That makes sense. I'll I'll give you that. Um, I I guess considering that you you're a lot of your rankings and stuff like that in the past and including tonight are kind of based on whether or not there's a vocal in it. I guess I can I guess I can see that. So, oh, you're drinking a beverage. What is that? What is your beverage tonight? Some white claw that our friends left over at our house. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a tropical pomelo smash, whatever that is. I never see you drinking anything unless it's like two things combined and the total cost is like $3.48. Oh, dude, I got a story and I gotta, I'll got tell you later something I bought that was, even for me, This it, I actually got out of there under like three eighty five, and it was, <laughs> it was, even for me, this was beyond pretty, this, this was Skid Row level, not, not Sebastian Bach either. <laughs> I, mean, I mean like 1950s Skid Row bum level disgusting, horrible mix. It was an insult to a brown paper bag. Oh, oh it, it was exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so when we're, when we're done ranking, you got to you got to tell your horrible rack gut story. Okay. All right. So all right. So at number eight, now these next two, I spent a ton of time flip flopping, and, and th- these were really difficult to me because they're almost they're pretty much equal. But uh, number eight, I have fatal tragedy. And as I said, you know, I could easily flip-flop this with my number seven and starting starting to get, you know, in, as I go further up the list, it got more and more difficult. And that, this, is, this is the start of where I really had to, I redid my list like six or seven times. And it was all because of the middle of the damn thing. So, um, yeah, Fatal Tragedy, I, I really like it. I, I think I think this is like the first time on the record you really get into some classic dream theater prog insanity, so I th- I think that's really cool about this song. Um, you know, once the instrumental break kicks in, the song just really gets moving and it just doesn't let go from there. So, um, you know, it speeds up and everything and just really starts getting into that that quintessential dream theater that, especially when you're watching them live, you could just feel the energy just tick up you know a serious degree so um i really dig this song um i I, you know it it, you could say this about the rest of the record at least at least my choices i think um you nailed it on the head perfectly like the the vocal melodies throughout this record are so strong and it's i love that about this record because i think it gives it like it adds to the personal feel of it to me i've always listened to the production on this brian and it's there's not nearly as much reverb on this as there is on some other recordings, and so it's a little more in your face. And I think it, I, I think that punctuates the story a lot better. So I really like that aspect of it, and the vocal melodies I think add to that. Um, you know, you've got all this prog stuff going on underneath, and this you know interweaving story. But then, but then the vocals kind of ground you in. It's like you can hum all of it. It's it's all such a just this awesome melting pot of just you know great. You know, stick to the roof of your mouth like peanut butter melodies that James puts down on this one. So, um, and this is this song is a great example of that. I think so. Uh, I have Fatal Tragedy at number eight. <laughs> Mike L. He <laughs> says, "Home, home has sex sounds." <laughs> I just noticed that. We'll get to that later. How did you just notice that? I, I probably because I never really listened to it through headphones. Which I think if you just got it blasting in your car, I don't know that you that you notice it that well but yeah that's i don't a, well i mean full disclosure i didn't notice it except every single time i've listened to it <laughs> I, I don't know all right kale says at his number eight he's got finally free i used to love this but it's actually not as strong as i thought in comparison it's hard to explain it but it's just not as up there as it once was okay yeah like i said that's why i have that one down as far as i do so um all right, so moving on to number seven. Well, what do you that, have at number seven? That actually worked out well because I do have Fatal Tragedy at number seven. 
Okay. Or fatal tragedy, depending on how you want to talk. <laughs> tragedy. You know, man, the, what I noticed about this, serious queen vibes, right? You know, it's a little bit of a metal opera type feeling going on when it starts, but it's not cheesy. Okay. It's still heavy. Yeah. Uh, I love the melody on the Victoria's Gone Forever vocal part. Um, you know, and you, I think you had just said this. It, halfway through, it kind of turns into a full-blown rocker. Yeah. Love the harmony on the, there can be no turning back. And then the, there can be no peace of mind part of that. I, that, that is so cool, man, that little thing they do in there. Uh, the other cool thing is like that. It's a super, super, super Mercury Brian May thing where those those little accents where it's like the pipe organ hits those bump bump, and then yeah. you get those 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 kind of uh, I don't know I call Brainier. them like like minstrelly almost you know minstrelly metal guitar notes like total yeah. Brian May like one on one, and they do that little pattern back and forth. It's pretty cool when they do that thing. That really has a clean feel to it. Yeah, I like that a lot. But uh, yeah, this this kind of a quirky. One of their more quirky kind of songs, I guess. They don't really have anything else that sounds similar to this that I can think of, but uh, fits pretty good there, right at the seven or where you had at eight, I think. Awesome, <laughs> Johan Alexanderson. Uh, going back to his thing about home having sex sounds, he said, "I wonder if those sounds are are from a similar situation as in Rocket Queen by Guns N' Roses." Uh, Johan, I think I can safely say that Dream Theater were not banging chicks in the control room. Uh, <laughs> or in the live room, I should say, uh, during the recording of their record. I mean, Portnoy was, you know, drinking at the time and imbibing in a little Coke as well. But, yeah, I, I, I somehow highly doubt that Dream Theater was banging out groupies <laughs> while they were recording the record with, with microphones live. So, um, Kale at number seven says, he has fatal tragedy. Is this the only one of mine that will meet up with Brian? There are some great melodies, especially that chorus. I love the Brian May harmony. So he's he's hearing what you're hearing on that one, Brian. So um, he could just be saying that because you were about to kick him off the show about 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> No, Kale, Kale knows his music, man. Ooh, wow. Look at that, Kale. All right. Okay, so at my number seven, and again, you could interchange these for me. I have Beyond This Life. Oh, my God. Seriously, no. <laughs> I dude it was difficult for me I just the, I, I start getting into areas where like the things I remember more things that stand out to me more get ranked higher because it's just those are the moments on an album that I come back to and so when I do my my you know my rankings that's that's how I do it and I mean, I I love Beyond This Life. Don't get me wrong; it's it's awesome. It you know it's that part in the middle that I've always loved is like that 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 key solo. It sounds like a horn almost. Like yeah, there's so many really cool like you know just like accented things that Portnoy's doing in this one, and um, you know I I think it's a perfect example of one of those dream theater songs that's you know it, it's over 11 minutes long but you don't really realize it you know and and even when i was listening to these finally tr really trying to get the gist of where songs started and ended you know like i said I, I i'm not very good at that where this record's concerned even when i listened to this alone you know on its own knowing it was going to be over 11 minutes long it didn't feel like that you know it gets it gets to the point 
it, it transitions well from part to part. So it's really it, it's it's awesome. So I mean, this really is a tie for me with Fatal Tragedy, uh, tragedy or as you were going to say, Tragedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're interchangeable to me. But I. I I, I like this one, man, and it's it's cool. But you know, anything above it, there was just something that stands out more to me. So, um, yeah. All right, so so we've gotten through the first half, our bottom half of the record. Let's move into the top six. So, what do you have at number six? Number six, I have one last time. I okay. know it's only three forty-two, but man, I. You know, another ballad one. I love the piano on this. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's James on these ballads. It's just, 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 I think it's really his peak vocally. You know, it, he lets his vocals really breathe and he just sells these songs and, and you could just really feel them and it, the emotion and the power in them. And, and, and I don't know, you just believe everything he's saying. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think this is kind of Jordan's coming out party is all, all of the, the incredible piano work on this, the, melodically and and none of it's like insanely complicated i mean there's some really ridiculous runs that that go on the beginning of this too but but just just the just the kind of pop piano 101 sort of way he approaches the 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 voicing of the chords and stuff and 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 james just knows how to put the melody right on top there i don't, I don't know who necessarily comes up with all those melodies do we know for sure who does that i don't know not sure on the answer to that but man yeah. it sounds great no i dude i i will never ever argue against saying that you know james is in his basically in his sweet spot when he's when he's singing the ballads uh you know we, we talked about you know his solo record is just a beautiful place for his his vocals and um the dream theater ballads you know i've you know i've got you know a couple of them coming up obviously and um i'm totally with you where, where where that's concerned he just like you said the, the vocals breathe and there's so much emotion in them and i i think it really is where he shines i think it's definitely a strong point for him uh at number six i have overture 1928 um i man i just love this piece of music it th this always sounds to me like the sound of a band who is refreshed you know that i mean we all know the story about how you know the first after pull me under then the label's like well you got to give us another hit with awake and then with falling into infinity they were trying to write you know more commercially acceptable stuff and simplify their writing here and there and finally they said you know f you we're doing it our way or we're done you know we're, we can't we're just not going to do this right for the label thing and so they did scenes from a memory and they said they told the label to piss off. You'll get the record when we're done, and you have no input. And you can, man, you can really. I, I feel like you can hear that. It's the sound of a band saying, "Okay, we're off the leash. Thank God. Let's go have a good time." You know, I and I, I think it sets up the rest of the record really well in terms of the melodies. It's you know because there to me, I, I always picture this record as there's. Not a lot of minor sounding stuff, even in the darker parts. I think there's it's a lot more major sounding. I, I think you can tell their mood on this album through a lot of the, the melodic choices. And this song kind of encapsulates that for me. Um, it's one of my favorite instrumentals that they've done. And I just, you know, I love it. 
you know, and you know, it's just catchy. I like it. It's bouncy. It's catchy. It's upbeat. And so, um, I dig it. I, and I was really surprised you put that ugh, where you did. I, I can't even say it out loud. It's so disrespectful. <laughs> so, uh, kale at number six has, uh, oh, he says, uh, oh, it's the spirit carries on. Yeah, you might catch some shit for that one. Uh, he says, this is simply a case of personal preference. And considering what's left to go, it's certainly no insult. It's iconic, but maybe a little overplayed in my opinion. Where do you stand on on the spirit carries on being overplayed, Brian? I, I could understand that, but I wouldn't mind hearing it like a lot. I, just, I, I love the way the, the crowd the crowd just seems to like come together as like one big happy family during this song when you see it live and I love the sing along with it and everything so I just I I don't mind if they play it all the time well is it that overplayed lately because you know they do so many of these different they've done so many of these different you know where they play the whole album and this and that I don't, I don't know is it so the last show we saw the view they, they didn't play this did they don't think so. I, I don't think so either. So I, I, I don't. It was probably was overplayed for a stretch there, maybe, um, until they got to the last, the newest album. But so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I'll, I'll hold my thoughts on this song until we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, moving on to number five. What do you have at number five? Um, at five, I've got home. Okay. Um. Yeah, you know, we talk ad nauseum. It's it's still sounds like tool to me, but uh, I still get chills when I hear that. You know, that Egyptian sounding riff. It sounds like they're trying to break into the pharaoh's tomb or something. <laughs> right. You know, and anytime you get sitar sounds and metal, it, that's that's always cool. Um, I did put in here those freaky background moans, which I don't know how I never <laughs> noticed before. I don't know what yeah. was going on there exactly. What was supposed to be going on there? Um. Maybe I'm misinterpreting what the meaning of the song is, or I don't know. But, uh, I don't <laughs> well, know. there is an affair going on in the story, so yeah. maybe it has something to do with that. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, the synth solo out of the the moaning thing is just really, really cool. Probably my favorite part of the song. Yeah, I think there was a time when home was overplayed. I will definitely say that. Really? Okay. But I see I, the whole overplayed thing, like. I, I, I don't know so much if you could say a Dream Theater song is overplayed so much as you could say like it gets talked about the most, because that's, especially that's back fair. then, I mean Portnoy sw- switched set lists around so damn much that outside of stuff like Pull Me Under, you know, or maybe Metropolis, like I, I feel like, because I, I, I mean I've I've seen them like what twenty four times now and I I can't say anything is necessarily overplayed like oh god they're doing this again. So I really think it's just like a fan thing. Like we're so used to talking about certain songs so much, and and this one is definitely one of the ones that people talk about the most from this record. So maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Ch- Chastity Crowley says it. She says the song is about the guy sleeping with his brother's wife. Yes. That is. I, I I am so surprised you never noticed that before. That's crazy. Oh well. All right. So. All right, so at number five, you have home. I have through her eyes. Um, 
I I absolutely love this one. Um, I I, th- I think it's perfectly placed on the record as well. Um, this is this is one of my favorite ballads that they've done. It's you know, again, it, it I think it's perfectly placed because you've got these two really proggy songs in a row, and this is kind of like cleansing the palate a little bit. I think so. I I, I like that. Um, the lyrics are fantastic in this one. They're so descriptive. I always just picture someone standing there in the cemetery, just kind of. You know, someone's grave and stuff like that. And, um, you know, again, James's voice. I just. Man, I, I just I love it. And that, that falsetto part, like the power falsetto part. Uh, uh, yeah, I love that. Um, that is just beautiful to me. And uh, yeah, th- I, th- this is such a favorite of mine. And it, it, it almost like broke my heart to put it down this low because. You know, to your point about James's vocals, it's just this. This to me might be the most descriptive song on the record. I, I can picture it the most vis- visually when, when you know, when James is going through the lyrics and whatnot. So, um, yeah, at number five, I have seen five through her eyes. What do you have at number four? Number four, I've got "Strange Deja Vu." Okay, which All must right. be coming up soon for you because you haven't mentioned it. So, <laughs> no, I have not. You know, one thing we we put this on our list of uh, what did we call it? Non-prog mainstream dream theater. Oh yeah, like gateway songs. Gateway songs, yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I, I, what I always loved about this it is kind of a straight-up rocker, and it's something that they really don't do a lot of. They kind of got back to it a little bit with the last two albums, especially distance over time. You know, there's a couple on there, maybe a little bit more in the in the straight-up rocker kind of vein. But, uh, you know, the hardcore prog people that are freaking out, they do switch it up, of course, midway through and go to the whole different tempo and a di- little bit different motif. But it still kind of feels like in that straight-up rocker mode. And, uh, you know, we st- I've said it a million times. It, it has that very kind of a mind-crime sort of riff feel to it, you know, which mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing at all. No. And, uh, you know, I like the way the song kind of just sort of kind of builds to and the way it, the way it ends at the very end, you know, kind of on that high crescendo thing is very cool. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this song, dude. Um, like I said, I haven't gotten to it yet, so I will save save my comments on it. But um, yeah, I think I, you know, I think again, you know, like I said about Overture 1928 being like a good kind of gateway to the record and kind of showing you what's coming later. I think that uh strange deja vu does the same thing it's like the lyrical version of that and um like i say i I will save my thoughts for it when i get to it but um my number four i have uh the spirit carries on so um hot take alert yeah right (laughs) (laughs) um it's you know it's like the quintessential dream theater sing along, and like I said, you know, a minute ago, um, I I always love how when they play it live, the crowd just kind of seems to draw together. It's very much like a group, and you kind of, you know, dream theater fans, all of us know that like when you're out at a show or just talking about the band, like it's it's a very close knit community because it's kind of it's like our thing, you know. It's they're one of those you know you either love them or hate them types of bands. And I, I think when they play this song live, you get that vibe. 
and you you really that's when you feel it the most. You know, everybody just you know, safe in the light. If I die tomorrow, you know. so uh, you know stuff like that. Um, and I, I just I love just the vibe and the feel of it. And you know, you look around and everybody's got like their cell phone out or a lighter or something, and it's it's just a beautiful melody. And um, I, I think I've said before on the show that part part of the reason I really like this one is because some of the lyrics, if I'm not mistaken, if they're not paraphrasing, they're drawing directly uh, from a poem. And my mom actually read that poem uh, when she spoke at my grandfather's funeral back in 1995. So, you know, um, move on, be brave, don't weep at my grave or whatever, that kind of thing. And so it's it's there's kind of like a personal vibe there for me. And also it does take me back to score. Because I thought this was the score is like the best version of the song that they have on live records. And I remember being there and just that feeling of togetherness with everybody, not to be all kumbaya and shit, but, you know, that feeling of togetherness with everybody was really strong because we all knew that we were at, you know, what could be one of the legendary Dream Theater shows. It was a 20th anniversary thing and everybody was just in this amazing mood. And then you get all of us doing that whole sing along and we're all swinging and stuff like that. It was. So this song just has a lot of good memories for me, and I, I love the melody to it. So yeah, um, there just happened to be three songs ahead of it that I think of a little bit more when I think of this record. So that having been said, Kale says, he's one behind apparently. At number five, he's got Beyond This Life. This is the strength of the album all rolled out in one place. Lyrically interesting, like reading a newspaper. It's definitely the third instrumental in that back half, though. And at number four, he says, Strange Deja Vu. This is just an awesome track. Everything is rocking, and it's almost an opener, even in the third position on the album. That bridge section is what elevates it into fourth for me. All right, so there's Kale's. Uh, what do you have at number three, man? Let's get to our top three here. I have Finally Free. Really? Uh, yeah, you know what? It's It's... And I'm wondering if I do have it too high enough after listening to you guys kind of talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I don't know, man. It's well, it's weird to put like the epic 12-minute closer third, you know, on on what you know most of us fans consider one of the greatest concept albums of all time, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know, I man. I I get chills when Jordan's opening piano comes in after the acoustic guitar and the and the spoken word stuff, man. But I get chills on all of Jordan's piano on this on this album, so maybe that's why I've got it got it up there. <laughs> I love how th- this is not the first time you've questioned yourself when we start doing these rankings. We'll get into it. And you, oh man, I think I, I think I got that one a little too high or too low or something. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just I love that piano part so much, and and you know this is what culminates the the whole the whole album. So I I don't know. It, it I felt like I had to probably put it at least in the top five. Okay. All right. Well, well, my number three, I have the dance of eternity and it, it's, you know, one wow. of the, yeah, well, it's one of the greatest dream theater instrumentals ever. Um, I, I don't really rank mine in the same fashion that you do saying, you know, like you prefer the stuff with a vocal on it. You, you put those higher. Um, to me, dream theater isn't solely about the vocals. Of course, uh, it's, you know, I, I love all of it. So if it doesn't have vocals, it's all good. Um, and the dance of eternity is, is damn near a perfect instrumental. Uh, it's just 
it's so damn good. And I always fall back to that barroom piano thing. You know, I love that. That that just took me completely by surprise the first time I heard the album, and ever since then, it's like it, it might be my favorite little piece of music on the whole record. I just, I just, it's so weird, and that and the the uh, the bass solo part in this are the two things that always stand out to me about this song and the song and this record. I think about those sorts of things, but um, yeah, I, I just, I love everything on this album, and I, I just couldn't justify putting other things ahead of dance of eternity except for two songs so i was like you know i admittedly i did question it a little bit like oh can i can i put an instrumental ahead of stuff with such incredible vocal melodies and choruses like and when i made my list and listened to it in order i was like yeah you know what i can so number three for me is the dance of eternity uh for kale he says his number three is Overture 1928, which is anathema to Brian. Uh, he says, can't believe it. I've got two instrumentals back to back here. Oh, oh he so he just gave away his uh, number two. Uh, can't believe it. I've got two instrumentals back to back here. Overture is more simple, but it makes me feel really upbeat, and I love the Metropolis reprise in JP's solo. So there we go. Obviously, he's going to have Dance of Eternity at number two. He says, just plug into this and lose yourself in 212 time signature changes, some really intricate riffs, and even some ragtime piano, instrumental. Uh, all right. He he just gave us his number two. What do you have at number two? I've got Spirit Carries On. Okay. Um, You know, every huge band has one, you know, signature anthem. I, get, I think it's hard to... As much as we love breaking all illusions <laughs> and never cease to yeah. hide our love for that song, <laughs> right. I don't think that's the anthem that Spirit Carries On is. No, I would um, completely agree with that. And I put in my notes the same thing you did. You know, if this was the 70s, it would be lighters instead of cell phones, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when that comes in, the entire crowd starts singing. And, you know, and everyone always gets behind a song that has a message like this because... We all want to feel like, hey, you know, no matter what happens here, there's going to still be something down the road, and whoever comes 200 years after us might still, you know, we could still maybe influence that somehow. Or this, this is just not, this is not the end right here. You know, everyone wants that, that, that hope that there's, that there's more than this, and that's what this song is kind of all about. You know, no, no matter what happens here, it's always going to kind of be out there and remembered for for eternity, and and make some kind of difference, no matter what it is. Yeah. So, so the message of it, and and everyone sings along, and and it's a happy, great song. And musically, it's the way it builds, man. I I just love the way they they build this song. I mean, it just it starts somewhere and ends up somewhere else, even though it stays in a kind of a for them a borderline simple framework. But man, I just I it's just a great song. Yeah, totally agree. And you, you say you know it it builds and builds. It really is. It's 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 like kind of like a continuous uphill journey, and it does get bigger and bigger, and then it, it's just all like crescendos in that gug, 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 safe in the light. And um, excuse me. Um, yeah, and 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 you know you brought up a good point. The message. It is kind of like a simple, upbeat kind of you know uplifting message in the middle of a big dense heavy type of a story 
you know, it's it, it'd be like if there's a song in the middle of, you know, Operation Mindcrime, like, oh, achieve your dreams. <laughs> like, you know, it'd be something like that. Just not as cheesy. But um, yeah, I mean, great points, man. Very, very great points. And I, you know, I, I had it at number four. So I really I really can't fault you for putting it at number two. Uh, for me, my number two is home. Um, as much as, you know, it was discussed earlier that, you know, is this overplayed? Is it not? Um, I, I don't think that it is. And I think that this is, you know, one of those songs that, you know, it starts the second half of the album and there's just, man, the atmosphere of this song is just so great. Um, I, I, I do not agree with you where, where sitar is concerned. I hate that instrument, but I don't mind it here because it's dream theater. And it's so damn good. Um, you know, the intro is just like haunting to me. It, it it always kind of feels like a, and I've said this, I said this on the deep dive. It's like a calm before the storm. So it's like something bigger is coming. And as, as you know, long of a song as this is, and as involved, it doesn't ever really get to that breakneck speed type of thing. Like a lot of their longer songs do. And yet it's still, it's again, you know, kind of like, you know, beyond this life, it, it it's a long song and you don't really realize it because it's always going somewhere interesting. It's keeping your interest. And to me, it also, it'll always work live. It, it's just one of those tunes that as soon as, you know, the lights are black and you're ding, 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 ding the whole crowd's gonna just going to go, going to go bananas. So um, it's just massive for me. So I, I love it. It's, it's, it, it's always it's always a big hit for me when I listen to this record. So, uh, my number two is Home, which brings well, us. I, I have to put out a public service message here because you basically just did hate speech against Middle Eastern musicians for your <laughs> hatred of sitar. So I did. No we such are an all inclusive podcast here, so the views of John Drake do not represent talking into infinity. <laughs> Nice. Half of the views of talking into infinity do not reflect the views of talking into infinity. Exactly. <laughs> over fifty percent, over forty-five percent. <laughs> if so, we go by weight, it's over fifty percent. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. All right. All number right. number one. I'm sure you know what it is for me. I have through her eyes. Okay. And I want to say something. When this album first came out, and I got to the song that was what was it? through my words i was beyond infuriated because this is the most killer piano melody with the vocal on top of it i've ever heard in my life was falling or like it was the most perfect ear candy to me and i only got 60 what did we decide now 62 seconds of it <laughs> 62 seconds i yeah. was furious i was so mad i'm like oh my god are you kidding me and then all of a sudden we wait like three songs or whatever it is and we get through her eyes and i'm like oh my god are you kidding me dude i i mean just absolutely the the coolest piano riff ever so simple so basic um i don't know james best vocal performance ever to me and it's not even close just love 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 this song i you know i'm, I'm on record about kind of tuscany this 
this is pretty close. Like I, I would love to hear this song every single time live. Like I don't know, man. There's just something about this song, the way it starts. You know, with with the girls singing. Like you kind of, you sort of get almost a little bit of a Titanic feel with that. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's not quite that crazy, but it's not cheesy. You know, I, I don't know, man. It just, yeah. The, just just the the piano, the choice of the chord voicings on this, and then the acoustic guitar comes in, and man, I mean, just just the perfect perfect song for james vocal to sit on top of and uh and one of my one of my all-time favorite songs of any band genre of anything i don't know if i had to make a list of songs that i've probably listened to over and over the most this this probably is in the top 20 wow the high praise so yeah maybe we should do that at some point give our like Try and figure oh. out what our top songs ever is that we've I've, listened to. Oh God, that would be embarrassing if you saw my Spotify. Well, dude, I've <laughs> I've never sat down and done that before. I, I I it would be intriguing to see, you know, like what five Van Halen songs and what five Dream Theater songs are in my top ten songs of all time. <laughs> so you have what well, you have Amazon Music or Apple? I have Amazon Music. That's correct. Okay, so does that tell you the top, like? songs you've listened to the last year or two years or whatever does it show that your stats I, somewhere i don't think so it may but i never look at that kind of stuff because right. i'm just right. too well, lazy well, if it does dude this is an episode and i don't care what songs are on there we have to do it like the top 10 of last year that show up on your up for oh. me it'll be my spotify but i can i can tell you right now that there might be two bowling for soup songs on there i i who cares oh, well that's probably just there. to learn them for the band no, actually, no. <laughs> I like because I. I mean, we we do 1985. Yeah, and um, uh, I listened to their version of Stacy's Mom when I learned it, and I just got hooked on it because it's like a heavier version. But they've got these two dumb songs that just crack me up, and they're so catchy. One's called "Hooray for Beer." Yep, and the other one's called "Hey Mario," and it's like it's it's a it's a newer one. And it, it's like set to like Nintendo music, and it's about like Mario chasing the princess. Oh, nice! And it's like. Mario, you're a next level bro. You got to know this princess ain't worth those extra lives. And it's got all the old school Nintendo like sound bites in it and everything. It's it's just dumb. All right, this so, is an episode. We have to figure out how to do that on your Apple. Yeah, I I I'll, I'll see if there's a way to like do that because <laughs> I I it, pro- a lot of it probably is going to be like not not surprising. And we're like, yeah, go figure. <laughs> this is right. only that crap. Wait, hot for teachers on there? No way. <laughs> That I can guarantee you that song will not be on there. No? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if there was going to be a Van Halen song on there, it would be for sure hear about it later. Um, that's the Roth song I always go back to. Probably, if it was if there was a Sammy song, it would probably be Judgment Day, Humans Being, or When It's Love. Right, well, so, don't give away the whole episode. Well, I, dude, I... <laughs> I don't know, and I, I and I have to learn stuff for the band. So for all I know, like half of it is going to be shit I learned for Brother. Believe me, right, this <laughs> is a, this is going to be an episode. We're going to take the top twenty, and I don't care what it is. I mean, I'm going to get well. Yeah, I'm I'm going to get crucified on my list. So and I well, why? Because you're open minded. I mean, it's it's not going to be like no, mine. I Everyone like, could probably pick mine and be eighty percent right. I have a lot of country <laughs> stuff that people would be like, oh my god, he listens to that. So, okay, but that that's why you that's why you say awesome things like chord voicings on this show. And I'm like, I like how it's loud. <laughs> yeah, I'm super super technical with my knowledge of chords. <laughs> Look, man, it's way better than me, so. Well, I'm surprised that you're number 1 cuz I obviously know it now. Yep. That shocks so, me. Yep. So, my number 1 
it obviously is strange deja vu. Um, for me, every time I think of this record, I think of this song. And it's one of those things that just always sticks with me no matter what I do. Um, it, I love the rest of the record, and I just can never get past, you know, Brian banging his mouse around his, you know, and making all that racket, so I muted him. Um, I can never get over the fact that it, of all of the progressive, amazing stuff... <laughs> That is on. You're such an ass. That is on this record, uh, the ballads with James's amazing voice, as we talked about, um, all the phenomenal aspects of this album. I, the very first thing that always pops into my head is, is "Strange Deja Vu," and by far, I go back and listen to this one the most. Uh, it's an awesome opening track. I know Kale mentioned it earlier, saying, you know, it's hard to call it an opening track because it's number three. But Kale, I I kind of look at it that way too. I kind of feel like. Overture 1928 sets the table and that this is kind of like the true start to the record in a way. Um, I feel the same way about the gift of music on the astonishing. Um, so I think, it, you know, it's an awesome opening track. Um, Brian, you nailed it right on the head. There's not a ton of progressive craziness. It's much more kind of like a straightforward rocking tune. So, um, you know, it's just catchy and it's cool. And it's it starts setting the story up nicely, I think, lyrically. And uh, I just, I really like it, man. I, I come back to this a lot, a lot. So when I think of, you know, Metropolis 2000, when I, when I, when I think of um, Scenes from a Memory, this is the very first thing that pops into my head. So this was an easy number one for me. This was, you know, my, my number one and my number 12 were, were, were very easy for me to, uh, you know, for me to choose. So, yep, I've got Strange Deja Vu at number one yeah I, I kind of forgot the fact that it's even though it's three it sort of starts the starts the album because it's the first full song with you know with vocals and everything else it seems like a full song as opposed to like a segment of something getting you to something else uh yeah, yeah i mean i already talked about it i mean it's i i am so i'm trying to think what i would have thought you would have had at one I I don't know, maybe fatal tragedy, tragedy, <laughs> no <laughs> tragedy, no. Actually, I I would say something like beyond this life. I thought maybe you'd have that one. You know what? It's I kind of thought that that's where I would go with it too. Well, I, well, I can't say that. I thought I would have that a lot higher. Like I kind of surprised myself with my with my number two. Um, I really thought the more progressive, longer stuff would be higher up on my list. I as soon as this popped up, I was like, "Hey, strange deja vu, man! Like that's 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 what it's going to be." So um, I knew that that was going to be it, and uh, I was not wrong. But um, yeah, I I don't know, dude. Something about you know, especially you know, like my top four, top five. Like there was just something there that really stood out to me just more so than the other songs and i i think maybe it's because like it's you know the other like the the songs that i have lower are more progressive and, and they're more about the musicality and i think the ones higher up have the have the bigger melodies i think so i th i think that's you know what i think that's why so 
Yeah, there's nothing on the rest of this album that sounds like this song. I mean, this this is like we said about as straightforward rockerish, for lack of a better term, I think as it gets. Yeah. And I always hesitate using the term straightforward because it sounds like you know, <laughs> like it's <laughs> right. super easy to come up with and play and think of and do, and that's not really. It's more accessible. Yeah, I would agree. All right, man. Well, let's bring up our random number generator. This looks junky, but what the hell? I will let you decide when to stop it. I pulled it up. It's 1 through 15, and this will decide what our next uh, song ranking is going to be. I, I, I'm i going to say this right now. I think we should skip the astonishing. I That is, yeah, <laughs> there's no way the, we're going to rank that many no, songs. That, plus, that would be way too much work. Yes, agreed. It's already going to be a shitload of work just to do a deep dive into that record. So, yep. Um, all right. Is it so going? It, it is going. Uh, Tell me when to stop. Now. Record number eight. Okay, so we are on what? Record number five right now? Because it would be Dreaming Day Night and Awake. All right, so we're on the fifth record. So six would be six degrees. Seven. Uh, seven would be Train of Thought. So eight would be Octavarium. All right. So our next, our Lord. next album deep dive is going to be Octavarium. Why there am I not looking forward to this one? What's wrong with doing that? At least it's it, there's not a ton of songs, and it's it's easier to do than this one was. Yeah. This this is easily going to be the most difficult one we do, especially because we're eliminating, uh, eliminating the astonishing. <clears throat> no, I agree. I agree. I mean, look. Just wait till we get to something like Black Clouds. <laughs> it's like six or seven songs. It's going to be like a 20-minute episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a chastity. <laughs> she goes, shit. <laughs> yeah, I wonder where she has the title track range. I know. I know. That That's good. That's going to be the only... <laughs> That's going to be the only question mark on that episode. Does Chastity have a song lower than the title track when uh, she's ranking her songs in an octave? No. Yeah. She doesn't even have to do her homework on that one. Assignment's done. <laughs> she has Sacrifice Sons as a worse song than Octavarium. So, that, that, man, that's going to be an interesting one. All right, I don't know when we're doing that, but that is our next album ranking. All right, so before we give our quick show notes and then get out of here, all right. You have to tell your story about this rot gut shit that you drank that apparently was like the worst thing you've ever put in your mouth. All right, so I have to find a picture. Let's see if I can hold it up to the thing here. I don't think that's going to work. But. <laughs> you don't think if I hold the picture up to the camera, it'll work? All right, so basically, uh, so they don't have any... They, oh, that was the good one. Hold on. <laughs> Part of this was good? Yeah, of course I can't find it now. I'll show you the bad one. I'll show you the good one first. Okay. I can't find the bad one. So what happens is Speedway doesn't sell for Loco anymore. <laughs> so right off great. the bat, we're. So this is what I. This is my mixture. Oh, what is that? Cayman Jack. Margarita. And what, margarita. Cayman Jack and, margarita. And what is the other and, thing? And uh, Edge. What is it's, Edge? It's, it's Ice House, but it's eight percent alcohol. Oh my God! So did you, you get, mix those? Uh, well, that's what yeah, that's what I always do because the reason I mix them is because I don't want I don't want it so sweet with the sugar. You've seen my routine, you know how I do this. I just didn't know why. Yeah, because it's too sweet. But the thing is, you can get out of the out of Speedway with that edge for I think a dollar thirty nine. 
for and for 24 ounces that's still kind of steep but but it's eight percent now the problem is the cayman jacks is only five and a half percent um but okay i, I gotta find this other one real quick because this is the one that's really bad chesty <laughs> crawley with the your mom joke in the chat there <laughs> nice uh oh my god here i i just that has to taste like wildly putrid Okay, now the, this is this is what's bad. All right, let's see this. All right, put you back in solo. All right, so this is called... this is a a bud ice and a club tail sex on the beach can. Oh my lord! I don't even know. I'd never heard of this before, but this is ten percent alcohol. This club tail. This is the worst thing I've ever put together in my entire life. <laughs> this was bad, man. <laughs> That's... Because uh, I, I normally, like, if I do, like, the Four loco oh and the Bud God. Ice, the, the Fruit Punch, I was thinking it was going right. to be something along those lines. No, dude, this was absolutely atrocious. So <laughs> bad. And this this Sex on the Beach thing was, like, I think it was almost over $3 after tax. So, so wow, I was you getting, splurged. Well, I was getting up into the high fours after tax, which, you know, <laughs> is not where, it's not where I want to be. I had to bust out a saw bar. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's like if, I, I if, I'm, if I'm going over an Abe Lincoln, then I don't even want to be in the place. So yeah, anyway, I, I learned my lesson. But they literally uh, like they didn't have any four locos. They didn't have any of um. You've seen those? I think they're called MDX. There's like four different kinds. There's like a Long Island. There's like a Margarita. Those are kind of similar. You know, it's like a flavored whatever that I'll yeah. mix with the beer to to turn the sweetener down. But like, yeah, that club. Club tail six on the beach. I do not. I know we're looking for sponsors, but <laughs> that's not going to be it. I don't know, man. If if they sponsor us, you get it for free. Then you wouldn't have to spend that. Well, that, whatever that is, it was. That is true, but it it's funny because everyone thinks that like this is like an act, but you can attest that this is for real. This is like, oh yeah, I actually, I actually am this cheap, dude. And I, I, I actually do like the drink if I get the right mix. Oh, I just, I just remember when we watched the the images and words twenty fifth anniversary pay per view at my old place, and you left some of that in my fridge, and the next day I was like, I gotta see what this is like, and I was like, oh, oh. like it's and I mean, believe me, I mean, I drink gorilla farts on the show every December when we do the fan hangout, so I'm not exactly like a connoisseur, but that it was like, Jesus, man, be a little selective. <laughs> like, it's not good. That is not good. What amazes me is that you thought that one of those two combinations might actually be somewhat tasty. That is... Yeah, I, I don't know how I first discovered this. I think we were in Hilton Head, and it was like I had one of these really sweet kind of drinks like that in a can. I was like, man, this is too sweet. Let's mix it with beer, and that's that's where I kind of got it from. And it, it just, I don't know, it never bothered me. But the, it's funny, I actually got Jill's dad to drink a couple... When I first oh, started this at Hilton, he's like, you know, that's not that bad. So he's literally the only person I know that's ever attempted something this horrible. <laughs> you roped the father-in-law in. I did. Oh, my Lord. Oh, that is so well, I bad. Well, I did it the same way I did. I said, here, taste this how sweet it is. He's like, yeah, that's too sweet. So I said, well, this is what I do. And I and I made one for him. He's like, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> oh, that is just terrible. 
Now, don't get me wrong. He's not going out and buying them or drinking them ever again after that one experience. But, but <laughs> That you know of. Yeah, that I know of. But You uh, might have got him hooked on the, uh, I'm going to no, catch a I'm, buzz I'm pretty for less sure than $4. I did because his, his fridge downstairs is full of Guinness and stuff. He probably doesn't even remember mixing that because I think now, if, if I think if I probably tried to do it now, he'd be like, are you absolutely insane? <laughs> that's why That's why he said he liked it. He was, he was probably six sheets to the wind. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't taste anything. His taste buds oh, were fried. Man. It but, just enhanced uh, the buzz, so he's like, "Yeah, this is good." <laughs> I tell you what, though, man, I, I, you know, I spend three fifty for sometimes almost five dollars. I got a, a nice buzz, and I'm I'm fine. I don't I don't need any fancy schmancy <laughs> gorilla but, farts. <laughs> <laughs> Those things really are bad, man. I I I do it just because it's become a show joke, and I. But I'm telling you, man, I I if you go back and watch, like. The, the the fan hangout videos when I do, you could see my face like there's no hiding it oh, it's not like it's not like other stuff where you could be like okay well it's not that bad like I I told you I would oh. never again in my life ever even attempt this is the worst thing I've ever I, the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of ever oh yeah it's <laughs> it's not good at all <laughs> it's so bad so all right well on that note uh, why don't we jump ship for for this episode of talking into infinity uh, that was a good that was a good time. I was very surprised again by your number 12, but, uh, you know, uh, Kale, yes, you're right. He says, you just about die when you drink them. Yeah, it's, if you guys haven't seen that, go look up one of the fan hangout episodes, and I do them right at the beginning of the show, and it's not, you could see right on my face. There's there's no hiding the fact that that is just pure shit. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that was that was fun, dude. That was fun doing that. Um, yeah. I was surprised by your number 12, but... Um, as I said, uh, the next time we rank the songs, it's going to be Octavarium. So we'll we'll get into that sometime soon. Uh, the next episode is going to be on Thursday, October 19th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we are going to be doing our Octavarium in the Octagon uh, episode. It's going to be Sean Faust, Kale McLeish, uh, Chastity Crawley. I really think I'm forgetting somebody on that, but someone will correct me. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing that chastity not a big fan of of octavarium sean faust is kale if i remember right you're on you're kind of on chastity side are you not or sean sean thinks kale that you are on chastity side and i don't remember it that way but we shall see that'll be a good one and uh, we may have an interview with the man himself mr mike mangini that night we're waiting for confirmation um so we'll we'll see if we can get him on that night. And then again on November second, we are going to have uh famous guitar writer Stephen Rosen on to talk about his incredible Eddie Van Halen book, uh Tone Chaser. Um if you guys are into that sort of thing, if you're into Van Halen at all or just good good rock and roll books, um I highly encourage you to tune in for that because this book is a very unique perspective it's not just here's a bunch of facts about eddie here's a bunch of facts about van halen it's a very personal read it's his personal experiences with eddie um a lot of his interviews were published but they were redacted for length and he publishes the full version so there's a lot of stuff that you know eddie didn't want printed uh at the time and it's all here warts and also it's some really great stuff there um so that will be on november 2nd and uh yeah the big fan hangout which I'm going to check my calendar so I can get this right, but I'm almost certain that it's the 22nd 
of December this year, I think is what it falls on. Yeah, it will be Friday, December 22nd, the big fan hangout where we just hang out all night and have drinks. We have Gorilla Farts. Brian will make his horrific concoctions. And, um, yeah, we talk about anything you guys possibly want to talk about. And if you want to jump on camera and co-host with us, just send us an email to talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com and we can send you the StreamYard link that night and uh, make sure you look and sound good and come on and just talk about whatever you want to talk about. So uh, that is definitely, definitely a, like the highlight of our year, I think, because we actually get to hang out with you guys and just do a free form show and it's always a blast. So uh, looking forward to that. Brian, another great episode. I will uh, not see you in two weeks because you're taking the 19th off. So I guess I will see you in a month with the Stephen Rosen episode. Before we go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Chastity, drinking into infinity. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the fan hangout for sure. That is definitely the fan hangout. That's that's my first, um, that's the first day of my two week Christmas break. So I'm usually in a very jovial, celebratory mood that night. Um, so one last question for you. I know, uh, ha- have you read any of the Stephen Rosen book? And don't say aloud how you have it um so i actually yes i have read i think first two or three chapters very very interesting read okay very cool all right so you've got a month to get through a little bit more of that so i uh, will awesome all right guys well thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of talking into infinity all you guys in the chat who make the show go johan alexanderson kale mcleish uh, Chastity Crawley, obviously Robert Husted, Mike L. Great to see all you guys. Uh, we'll see you right here again at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in two weeks. Uh, it will be Thursday, October 19th. It is Octavarium in the Octagon and hopefully an interview with Mr. Mike Mangini himself. So until then, guys, he is Brian. I am John. And as always, carpe diem. <laughs>